Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Mike Smith Show podcast. This is your one-stop shop for all the latest happenings in BC. From breaking news and developing stories to giving the big headlines a closer look, the Mike Smith Show is here to keep you dialed in and up to date. Let's begin. I want to talk about something I was listening to Mike speak about just a couple of days ago because it is a big topic of conversation, just how many cars are being stolen in Canada. And here in BC in particular, Lower Mainland in particular, by the time you're reporting your vehicle stolen, it's already on a container ship going to parts unknown, uh, sometimes being tracked to those places and spaces. It's very obvious that we have a huge problem here. Mike mentioned that he's had his car stolen from his driveway. I'm going to add my name to that. You've been hearing me sort of chat about it all morning long in the promo. I have had my car stolen from in front of my home, standing there with keys in hand going, where's my car? Thinking I, 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 I must be seeing things, you know, rubbing your eyes, trying to, trying to clear the, the, the gaze so you can see your vehicle. Nope. It's, it's gone. And how many times have you had your car tossed? How are thieves getting into your vehicle? Well, that's a big problem because the tools of the trade are literally available online. You can clone my key online. That's why. It's not that you're leaving your car unlocked or unattended. It's that it's so incredibly easy to steal our cars. The federal government says an estimated 90,000 cars are stolen each year in Canada, resulting in about $1 billion in costs to Canadian insurance policyholders and taxpayers. As is the case with any form of theft, it ultimately comes back to you and me, the taxpayer. To, to cover the cost of, of what ultimately happens here. So what can Ottawa do? The Liberal government is looking to put a dent in auto theft by finding ways to ban those devices I was talking about, those, those key cloners, etc. cetera. Uh, will that be enough? What needs to be done? Well, let's go to somebody who is very involved and invested in this subject matter, the president and CEO of Global Auto Automakers of Canada, David Adams, is our guest. David, thank you for doing this. Thanks for having me. How how much is this impacting this this it, it, the availability, if you will, of the the tools of a criminal trade on this sector? Well, this is um, you know as, as you highlighted in your opening, it's. Uh, it's a multifaceted issue, and there's no uh, no silver bullet that's going to solve the problem. It's a so- silver buckshot, if anything, but it's uh, it's a multifaceted uh, solution with uh, a number of different players involved as being part of that solution. And it's something that we've been um, we've been working on for the last year and a half with uh, with our own members and, and advocating uh, you know some of the changes that you outlined uh, with government for the last uh, say almost a year or so now. Um, but you highlight one key issue which we've uh, we flagged, which is just how available um, replacement key fobs are, for instance, and devices uh, 
on various retail online retail platforms that uh, ostensibly have no other legitimate purpose other than to facilitate car theft. And I think most of us have seen videos where when police busts have occurred, you always see not only the car, but usually some sort of small box-like device with some wires with uh, key fobs uh, close by as well. So uh, I think one of the things that the government did that uh, was appropriate was take action to look to ban the the sale of these devices because they are facilitating, uh, uh, facilitating auto theft. I want to just play a quick clip here of Prime Minister Trudeau. Um, let's let's listen in on this, and then I'll get your thoughts. Canadians need serious action. A catchy slogan won't stop auto theft. A two-minute YouTube video won't disrupt organized crime. Cracking down on auto theft means bringing law enforcement, border services, port authorities, car makers, and insurance companies together. So your thoughts on uh, what the Prime Minister has to say there? I think we agree with the Prime Minister, and, and this is the summit is actually something that we had been advocating for for a, about a year. And I, I think you could say, well, one element of success walking in the door was the fact that you had all the, the different folks that have a, a touch point on this issue of auto theft in the room. Um, you know, we had some good discussions. Uh, I think the real issue now is are we going to have legitimate action and an action plan to contend with auto theft as we we move forward. Um, you know, certainly highlighted the issue with the ports. I don't think it's a secret to uh, to any of us, at least in southern Ontario and Quebec, that the Port of Montreal represents a real challenge in terms of trying to contain auto theft because uh, the CBSA at the Port of Montreal doesn't have the adequate resources that it needs to continue to uh, work to inspect the um, uh, the containers. They frankly need to do a better job of inspecting the containers, but having more more money and more people isn't the solution either. Uh, they need to look at technological solutions to be applied in those circumstances as well. And I think that was one of the other commitments that came out from the uh, the government just a day before the summit, uh, committing, I think it was $28 million uh, more to yeah. assist in the CBSA and whatnot. So that's important. But then you know, also it's a resource issue with uh, law enforcement officers as well, as the prime minister noted. Uh, we need to ensure that um, if we've got the capability of tracking vehicles, that there's somebody can, that can actually interdict these vehicles if we we know where they are. And uh, the other reality is is that there are there are jurisdictional issues oftentimes between different um, cities, municipalities, uh, rail yards with their own private police forces, uh, the municipal police force. Um, you know, it, it, it can be always somebody else's responsibility. And, you know, that was one of the key issues that came out as well, is that we need to find a way of better knitting together all of the, the pieces of the puzzle here so that that information uh, can be communicated almost real time between the various parties that have a piece in trying to recover that vehicle because, uh, as we all know, the thieves work very quickly in, uh, in terms of... Uh, grabbing the vehicles and moving them out of the country. We're with Dave, David Adams, the president and CEO of Global Automakers of Canada. And you referenced Toronto and Montreal. Uh, certainly it has been an incredibly hot topic here in British Columbia, the port of Vancouver, policing or lack mm-hmm. thereof uh, at the ports here. I know when, when I referenced having my car stolen from my driveway, I was actually living in Toronto. And by the time I called police and said, uh, my, my, 
Lexus SUV has gone from my driveway. They, the police actually said back to me, it's already on a container headed somewhere. We're not mm -hmm. even, we're not even dispatching. So this is, and this has gone on for years and years. You said, and I think this is a great uh, descriptor. We need silver buckshot here. So on top of the key cloning uh, issues and, and stopping those, the availability of those online, the ease with which criminals can, can get access to our vehicles, but also following the port, uh, you know, the speed with which vehicles are being sent abroad uh, and policing mm -hmm. at ports. What are a couple of other things that we need to be mindful of here from your perspective, David? Well, I think we need to be mindful, too, of the fact that we need a better system in terms of verifying what are, what's actually on those containers. Uh, because right now, uh, from our perspective, Canada's system is lagging behind, for instance, the, uh, the systems that, that's utilized in the U.S., where there's a much more robust um, checking and verification of the manifest process to confirm that mm -hmm. what, what is on the, the paper, if you will, is actually what's, what's in the container. And, you know, I think the, that combined with the fact that uh, from our perspective, you look at the vehicles in Canada and the United States, they're essentially the same vehicles. Um, you know, we have an immobilizer standard in Canada that the U.S. does not have. So theoretically, that would suggest that our rate of theft in Canada should be lower uh, than the United States. But that's not the case. Our rate of theft is mm -hmm. higher. So it uh, leads us to believe that there are some of these other factors like the port, like uh, more enforcement that needs to be put in place. And, and frankly, also dealing with the, the perpetrators that are, uh, are stealing these vehicles when they're caught in a more aggressive manner as well. Indeed. David Adams, president and CEO of Global Automakers of Canada. Thanks for uh, spending some time with us today. Much appreciated. Thanks very much for having me. It is here at the Invictus Games that you realize whatever you carry, it was the springboard that propelled you to the next level. The unmistakable voice of Prince Harry. He is at the heart of Invictus. We are going to talk about Invictus Games, Vancouver Whistler 2025 in particular. You might be familiar with Invictus Games. What does it conjure in your mind? Perhaps like me, you've watched Heart of Invictus on Netflix. Highly recommend. It even gives me goosebumps just to talk about it. What I thought Invictus Games was all about? Sure, I had some of it, but it goes so much deeper than the assumption. And we are so lucky to have these games coming to Vancouver Whistler in 2025, and even more so lucky that somebody who is at the heart of sport in our country and and is, well, full disclosure, the man who gave me my big, big break, uh, created Sportsnet on the back, famously on the back of a napkin while imagining what could be in launching a sports network like Sportsnet. He is a familiar name to many in the industry, a leader, uh, and now the CEO of Invictus Games Vancouver Whistler. We welcome Scott Moore to the show. Hi, Scott. Good morning, Jody. Nice to uh, nice to be back in Vancouver and wake up to a beautiful day, the view of the mountains and the ocean. I've missed that. 
<laughs> well, nice we've to missed you too. I'm glad you're back. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations on becoming the CEO of Invictus Games Vancouver Whistler. Thank you. You know, it's a funny story because uh, I've been trying mostly unsuccessfully to retire over the last couple of years. Uh, my wife and I have been spending some time in California and we were at, we were in London at the beginning of the year for a birthday party of my friend Keith Pelly, who I've worked with for many years. And I was approached by Aaron O'Toole, the former Veterans Affairs Minister, who said, are you familiar with the Invictus Games? I said, yeah, absolutely. I'm a big admirer. He said, well, they're looking for a CEO in Vancouver. Would you would you consider it? And I said, well, I'd, I'd take a call, but I'm trying to retire. And I took the first call. He went from being intrigued to interested to totally passionate about it within about, I think, the first five minutes. It's a, it's a mm -hmm. wonderful cause. It's a wonderful purpose. You know, these games literally save lives you know veterans who are going through physical emotional trauma they they get to be a part of something bigger than themselves this is part of their therapy their recovery their journey and also because they're in vancouver the first ever winter invictus games there's a nice parallel that they're also part of the journey of our uh, reconciliation with the, our our First Nations, our four First Nations here in Vancouver are a major part of these games. They're our partners in, in putting them on. So there's just so many wonderful parallels, including the, the parallel of what I call the, the circle of inspiration. These athletes will inspire the people of the Lower Mainland and across Canada and around the world. But the, the folks in the lower mainland particularly can help inspire these athletes by showing up and being part of the the journey and cheering them on. Uh, so we get to be inspired by them and they get to be inspired by us. Watching Heart of Invictus on Netflix, you suggested that I do that. And I'm so yeah. grateful that you did because I thought I knew uh, the Invictus Games uh, the, the meaning behind it and the want uh, to shine a light on on the struggle that veterans experience coming back from service. Um, and, and you know, when I speak to friends and, and sports fans in general, they say, well, it's kind of like the Paralympics. It is and it is not. Uh, in, in learning and watching Heart of Invictus, I was taking on, taking on this journey that I, it it was mind blowing. Like you said, you go from interested and aware and involved to very passionate about it. I think there are going to be a lot of people in British Columbia who want to volunteer for these games and be a part of something that isn't just about uh, helping heal the athlete who takes part, but their children, their families. There is generational trauma that comes with uh, what veterans survive in service. Talk a bit about Prince Harry, who puts himself at the at the forefront of this initiative, of this organization, in such a hands-on, beautiful way, and shares his intimate story of suffering PTSD and trauma. Yeah, I'm looking forward to meeting uh, Prince Harry. He's coming into town to be a part of the training camps that are happening next week, and you know, Many people had their first introduction to Invictus through the association of uh, Prince Harry and, and Meghan Markle. Uh, 
these games would never have existed, wouldn't be successful without his support and his patronage and his uh, continuing pushing. And he's been very, very hands-on here in Vancouver. He's so excited about the first ever winter games next week. We're going to get him up to Whistler and he's going to try a couple of the sports. Um, he, because he's a veteran himself, uh, he has seen his friends, his colleagues, many of them go through some of the real challenges of having served in, in a place like Afghanistan. And he knows firsthand how important it is to do something, whether it's a sport, whether it's getting involved in your community again as you come out of service or you continue in service, uh, but on a more civilian basis. Um, it, this is something he's incredibly passionate about. And yeah, I can't wait to see him interact. The folks who were on our group that were in Dusseldorf at the last games last year, they said they just saw the the veterans and the competitors and their families light up when they became a part of it and light up when they when they met with uh, with the prince. So I can't wait to see what's going to happen next week. And then, of course, we work for the next 364 days because we're 364 days to these games to make sure that what we're delivering is the best ever Invictus Games and the first ever Winter Games. And just you mentioned volunteering. Uh, our website will be uh, relaunched in the next week, but you can still go there now, InvictusGames2025.ca. Uh, find your way to signing up for uh, an interest in becoming a volunteer. You can find out about the sports. Uh, you can also give. This is this is a charity as well, and our commitment is to leave a minimum $5 million of legacy funds for a variety of purposes, for adaptive sports, for, for veterans, homelessness, and other things. And I'm happy to report we're already past that goal of $5 million, but we would love to leave an even bigger legacy. So go go find us on our website, InvictusGames2025.ca. We're with Scott Moore, the CEO of Invictus Games Vancouver Whistler. Again, Invictus Games 2025 ca coming february 8th to 16th 2025 in vancouver and up at whistler i want you to talk a little bit scott if you wouldn't mind about how this is not about winning medals certainly medals are handed out uh and often by prince harry himself but this is about invictus unconquered right coming back from the edge these athletes how are athletes chosen let's start there unconquered well, various different teams. There are 25 countries that will take part. Various different teams choose their athletes in different ways. But in Canada, the Canadian team, and this really hit me when I heard this uh, in the process of finding out more about the games. The Canadian team chooses their athletes not by whether or not they'll win gold, not by whether or not they are uh, the best swimmers, the best paraskiers, the best biathletes. They're chosen by how much they will benefit from the experience on their journey. And that alone tells you almost everything you need to know about the goals of Invictus. And I, I, I want to tell a quick story, if I could, Jody, something that really, really struck me. And, and Harry talked about this at the closing ceremonies in Dusseldorf. Uh, a Canadian veteran named uh, James Jandron, uh, based out of Kingston, he 
he loves the bagpipes, as by the way, do I and my family. But uh, he's a passionate bagpiper. But he had played almost sixty or more than sixty ramp ceremonies uh, from his friends, his colleagues coming back from Afghanistan and bringing them back in caskets. And he hadn't played the bagpipes since. The bagpipes were an association, something he loved. We're now in association with something negative. And when he got to the games in Dusseldorf, he wanted to use his pipes again as a celebration. And he, he, he used them uh, on a couple of occasions, including piping Harry into the into Canada House. And it, it was part of his, uh, his recovery. And now something, Harry said this at the closing ceremonies, what once haunted him may now be part of what heals him which is i i just find that story gives me goosebumps and their stories that's just one of a million stories you'll find there's a powerful quote it's been doing the rounds this week the wound is the place where the light enters you the very awareness you have of your wound of your injury of your illness is an opportunity for post-traumatic growth this is a blueprint of what the wider world needs today. The power of resilience, the power of healing, and the power of recovery. My ask of you to bottle the memory and the feeling of this past week. The sounds of Prince Harry speaking to the athletes as the Invictus Games wrapped up. After quite a bit of a wait, navigating covid and and putting the games on a lot of challenges around this game these games uh, but perseverance is at the root of invictus unconquered scott moore is the newly appointed ceo of invictus games vancouver whistler good friend and proud to have him on the show today to talk about these very important games and and scott in fact while in the commercial break i'm getting emails from people saying i want to volunteer can you have your guest please explain the volunteer registration when it will open and a little more about what we might expect in terms of attending at these games in one year's time? Well, I'm thrilled to say that we, we haven't uh, opened the volunteer sign-up yet. We've, we've uh, allowed people to have an expression of interest to volunteer, and we've already had 15,000 people sign up. And one of the great things about this marketplace, uh, especially since the uh, 2010 Winter Olympic Games were here. There's such a great uh, community of volunteers who love to be a part of this. So uh, you can go to our website and sign up uh, for a, an expression of interest in uh, in volunteering. We'll have a more formal sign up in the next couple of weeks on our website, Vancouver Invicted Games or sorry, Invicted Games 2025.ca, um, and. We'll be able, you'll be able to buy tickets in the uh, coming months, probably by late spring. We've got a really interesting uh, menu of sports. They're a combination of some of the more traditional Invictus game sports and some winter sports. The winter sports include uh, Nordic skiing, biathlon, uh, paraskiing, alpine skiing, wheelchair curling and skeleton and i think we're getting uh, i think we're getting the prince on the skeleton run next week 
the the team asked me if I wanted to go down it, and I said, well, I'd give it a try, but I, I think uh, the, the Prince is a little bit more uh, athletic than I, and I didn't leave Becky all alone, uh, so I'm not sure I'll be going <laughs> on the, the skeleton as well as the Prince, but uh, it, we, we've got a bunch of great sports, and we, we're looking forward to filling the seats, having sellouts in all our venues, because I can't overemphasize that this this is a sports event, but it's not about sports. It's about the transformative, excuse me, transformative power of sport in someone's healing mm-hmm. process. And part of that is making sure we've got full stands of, of fans and supporters to help people on their journey. So really, when we put out the, the call for tickets, uh, I know the lower mainland and the people across the country will uh, will uh, heed the call and be in the stands. I only have a minute I could talk to you about this for hours, honestly, but speak to the logo, Little Watt, this beautiful uh, Invictus logo that was just launched. Yeah, we launched our brand uh, identity about a week and a half ago. It was a wonderful story of our four founding First Nations in the Lower Mainland who came together, four local artists, to help put together our new brand look, which will be part of our new uh, website launch. You'll see it. You can see it at the uh, London Drugs Ready Granville and Robson. Uh, we're really proud of it. And it, and it's part of telling stories. It's part of being a part of the First Nations and hosting something that will be truly different and something I think the folks in the Lower Mainland will be really proud of. I'm super excited for you and for all of us in Vancouver and Whistler to have Invictus Games coming in one year's time. Scott Moore, thanks for your time. I'm sure we'll talk again. Yeah, thanks, Jody. Great to be back here with you. Let's get polling. President of Research Co., Mario Canseco, regular here on the program, joining me now. Hey, Mario. Good morning, Jody. Great to be here with you. Great to chat with you. I love this topic. It's it's something that I've (laughs) debated around my kitchen table on a regular basis as somebody who's got family in the United States, lots of travel to the U.S. prior to the pandemic. And and much has changed over these last years when it comes to the perception that Canadian Canadians have about the U.S. You're polling bring some fascinating numbers to the table. I'm going to open up the phone lines on this uh, once we uh, sort of delve into the numbers here. So get us started, Mario. Well, we ask this question every six months. We started in late 2019. We ask Canadians about their views on 15 different countries around the world. We go back to July of 2020, and only 32% of Canadians had a favorable view of the United States. Now, what was happening in July 2020? We saw how they managed the COVID-19 pandemic, not as well as we did here. Uh, There was a guy named Donald Trump who was in the White House, uh, not very well liked. And now we look at the numbers this year, and it's effectively doubled. 64% of Canadians say that now they have a favorable view of the United States. It's the highest that we've recorded, and certainly a big change from the way we felt about the U.S. back in 2020. I want to open up phone lines because I promised uh, when I was saying that I was going to be filling in for Mike that we would poll in real time here, Mario, when it comes to how we're feeling about the U.S. in particular. 604-280-9898, star 9898 is a free call on your cell. Are you all in, back to traveling in the U.S. after feeling not 
so sure over the last number of years? Or are you still mm, too temperatures are too high for whatever reason? Let us know what you're thinking about our neighbors to the south when it comes to travel. 604-280-9898, star 9898 is a free call on your cell. Um, To what do you attribute this doubling from 32% of Canadians holding a favorable view of the U.S. to this now 64%, Mario? Uh, There's a couple of things that definitely come to mind. Uh, One of them is because we can travel again, there's an opportunity for Canadians to visit people who live in the United States or to go to places where they couldn't go because of the pandemic. A lot of this has to do with Joe Biden. Uh, We've consistently seen Canadians have a favorable view of him, even when he was vice president. And you compare that with the way we felt about Donald Trump before the 2016 election, but also during the 2020 campaign, when Canadians were definitely dismayed at the thought that he was going to stay there. Now, this is the key issue for the next year, because we know there's an election in November. uh, And right now, the two candidates who are running are the same ones that we had in 2020. So if for some reason Donald Trump gets reelected, maybe the numbers are going to change again. But we'll have to wait and see. Interesting. And not... Uh, surprised that our phone board is lighting up. 604-280-9898 is the number. Star 9898, a free call on your cell. We're with Mario Canseco from Research Co., the president of Research Co., in fact, and talking about how Canadians view the U.S. and how we're feeling about, you know, in, in the start of the pandemic, the, the polling was very low on how we felt about the U.S., but that is uh, come around. So I, we're going to do live polling right here on CKNW, taking your calls. And we start with Gord in Pitt Meadows. Welcome, Gord. Hey, how's it going today? Good. You? Good. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of one of those folks who's changed course in the States. You know, uh, I thought it was a really messed up country around 2020. And, and I think I admire the States and the people for really standing up for what they believe in, you know, compared to Canada, where we just tend to lie down and take whatever the government's given us outside of the truckers. So, um, you know, I, I've traveled to the States, you know, yearly. I don't have a problem with that. The only the only thing in the back of my mind is always the gun issue down there. But other than that, you know, I, I think uh, I think the States are coming around again and, uh, and kind of writing some we're trying to get back to, to uh, more center uh, rather than extreme left or extreme right. Thanks, Gord. Appreciate the call. Gord is all in on your polling, Mario. He would, he is is going regularly, going yearly, thinks it's feeling good down there. And he did bring up the the tense sort of nature of, of some of the, the, the gun violence that we're seeing south of the border. Let's go to Chris in Penticton real quick. Welcome, Chris. Hi, really enjoy your uh, when you're on the air for Mike. Um, oh, thanks. I just want to say, uh, I um, actually have the opposite opinion from the last fellow. I was down in the States when uh, COVID, when we're getting ready to close the borders. What I saw down in the States when uh, pressed in a real scary situation, the people down there are frightening. I watched people getting punched in aisles in grocery stores. Uh, No, I have no use uh, with the States at all. I'm sorry. That's just the way I am. Thanks for your view there, Chris, in Penticton. I guess, Mario, this is why we do the polling. Because if you think that one person's opinion or even one area's opinion is reflective of of everyone, um, that would just not be the case. It's it's very subjective. 
Well, I think a lot of this has to do with our own experiences. And one of the things that changed during the pandemic was we started to pay a lot of attention to what was happening internationally. Elections are always something that we obsess and we've covered them extensively this century. Uh, But what happened was we started to pay more attention from Canada to what was happening in other places. And I think this Mm -hmm. is something that we're still doing. We're focusing on U.S. news more than we do, for instance, news coming out of the United Kingdom. Let's talk about those numbers because Canadians, according to your research, Canadians place five other G7 nations at the top of the ranking of positive opinions. Let's go through those. Well, this has been consistent for the past couple of years. The U.K. on top at 76 percent. But we have more than two-thirds of Canadians who have favorable views of Germany, of France, or Italy, and also of Japan. So these are our main partners. It's normal for these numbers to be there. The big change is now to see the United States at 64%, where it used to be ranked lower than South Korea, sometimes lower than Mexico even, when it came to the way Canadians felt about things. So the big change really is how the United States has climbed the charts. We've always felt had very positive feelings about France or Germany or Italy, So it's not a surprise to see them still up in the top five spots. Just before I let you go, Mario, I have to look at this one number. What is it about France that British Columbians love so much? You know, this was shocking. I just spent some time talking to people in Quebec who expected France to be on the top in Quebec. But it's actually higher in BC. So, you know, maybe there's something here that we like uh, that the people in in, in La Belle Provence aren't actually figuring out. Um, which is quite striking because we we were expecting the numbers, and this has been the case over the past couple of years that we've tracked this. Quebecers tend to have a very positive view of France, but this year, I don't know what happened. Maybe they're not happy with Macron. I think British Columbians are just getting back to traveling abroad, and oh, Francais. Oh, yeah, let's go to France right now. (laughs) There's nothing like those open-air cafes. I'm I'm with you on that 100%. Baguette and butter and a glass of wine. Mario Kinsenko, it's a date. Thank you so much for doing this as always, my friend. Appreciate you. My pleasure, Jody. Anytime. Jody Vance in for Mike Smith. Oh, tax time. Oh, my goodness. Millions of dollars in tax detections and credits go unclaimed by Canadians every year. It is the real deal. Your accountant matters. I wish taxes were more simple. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, when Revenue Canada checks our math, couldn't they just do the math and then we could check theirs? (laughs) Unfortunately, that's not how it works. We need the experts. We need the financial experts. And a personal finance expert is in your back pocket, probably one of the more valuable things you can uh, have in your life and a, a relationship that you need to cultivate. We have Tyler Thielman, who is a personal financial expert and Spring Financial President and CEO. Thanks for doing this, Tyler. Hey, Joe. Yeah, thanks for having me on. You must be super busy. I lean hard on the expertise of my personal finance expert when it comes specifically to what I should be doing with my RSPs or my TFSAs or what am I doing with my taxes in particular. And I remember when I thought I can do my taxes on my own. And when I finally did get professional support, the amount of refund that I received just by knowing what was sitting on the table is so huge. So I want to pick your brain here and you can help our listener get a bit of an idea of what we need to do in order to maximize 
our 2023 refund. So as we approach the deadline, the tax, the RRSP deadline, um, can you give us an idea of what should what we should be doing with regard to registered retirement savings plans or tax-free savings accounts or both? Yeah, I mean, there's so many options. And, you know, like you said, every every person's different and, you know, every person has kind of different things going on. So, um, you know, registered retirement savings plan is, you know, the classic, uh, you know, if you contribute money now, uh, you don't have to pay tax on that money uh, with the hopes of taking it out later, maybe after you retire at a lower tax rate. Um, it's really a long-term plan that, you know, it's intended that you kind of contribute to over the course of your career uh, and then start accessing in retirement. So that one is really like, you know, long-term planning in my opinion. That's one that you tell your kids to do. Cause my stepdad actually told me that when I got my first job at Dairy Queen, he's like, you don't understand compound interest, but you will kid. And I'm telling you right. at 56, I understand what he was saying then. And it gets you started in a way where you pay yourself. Um, not everybody can afford to do that in today's reality. So that is a caveat on, on, you know, contributing to your RRSP. Let's talk about some of the, um, new tax incentives and deductions and who might be eligible for them? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, the newest one is uh, the first time home buyer savings account. Um, and so it's called for short FHSA. And, and that is for anyone who's really trying to buy a home, which as we know is becoming harder and harder. Um, and this allows you to take $8,000 a year of your or contribute $8,000 a year at a tax-free rate. So if you put $8,000 in, you'll get a tax refund on that $8,000. Um, and every year you can do 8000 up into $40,000 total. So, and then when you take it out to buy a house, uh, you can take it out tax-free as well. So very different from an RSP. When you take money out of an RSP, you pay tax on it. Uh, mm -hmm. For this, if you take it out and buy a house, uh, you don't pay any tax. So you don't pay any tax on the money going in and you don't pay any tax on the money going out. And if you do the math on that, based on the percentage of taxes you pay in your household, that can be a significant saving both going in and when you finally get to be that first-time home buyer, which is super exciting. Now, let's, uh, if you don't mind, Tyler, uh, talk about the most common mistakes people make when filing. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's over 400 different, uh, you know, tax credits or rebates or things you can do to reduce the total amount of tax paid. So everything from medical expenses to, you know, certain employment expenses, even if you are an employee, sometimes you can still get certain employment expenses uh, deducted. You don't have to be self-employed. Um, obviously, for self-employed people, there's a lot going on, uh, you know, charitable deductions, all sorts of stuff, um, you know, child care. So, so it really like spans, you know, kind of every single life circumstance. And, right. you know, I agree with what you said, you know, if you, you can try using TurboTax and some of those things, or, you know, if you feel like you're situation is complicated, probably it's really helpful uh, to check in with a professional and, you know, really talk to somebody and go through your life situation and, and they might open up a few more things for you. So sometimes what I, what I see people do, and I think this is a really good idea, is if you don't want to pay to see an accountant every year, maybe go once every five years. And, uh, you know, if your life isn't changing that much, uh, you might just pick up on a couple of things you might be missing and then just repeat that on your own for the following years. So it really depends that is on your situation, great advice. what you can afford yeah, that, and, and yeah. Yeah. 
That's really great advice, Tyler, honestly. Tyler is uh, the president and CEO of Spring Financial, uh, personal finance expert. And I think that's a really important piece because not everybody can afford the luxury of an accountant, but you might find that having a personal finance expert or accountant look at your return and even look back at previous returns, you can file for correction. You can end up making sure that money that sits on the table, what I said off the top of this segment, in how many millions of dollars in tax deduction and credits go unclaimed by Canadians, those sit on the table. That is still your money. Uh, you just have to figure out how to how to maximize your returns. And and having an expert help you with that is, is the first step in the right direction. So if, like you said, Tyler, once every number of years, if you can, take what you've got, go in and have it put through the expert lens. Um, one, one more thing I want to touch on. I've only got a minute here, but how do you carry forward deductions to maximize future returns? Yeah, that's a great question. So there's a number of things that you can carry forward deductions for. RSPs is probably the biggest one. So as an example, if you're early in your career and uh, you expect to make more in the coming years, it might be more valuable for you to wait a couple of years and then contribute because you're going to get more tax back for each dollar of contribution. Right. So as an example, if you were, you know, if your tax rate was 25%, but you expected in five years from now, your tax rate to be 40 or 45%, it might make sense to wait a little bit or not maximize your contributions now and do more later. Um, that's that one example. Later. And yeah. yeah, another one is, you know, charitable giving. If you uh, give over, I think it's $200, uh, you can uh, achieve more of a tax uh, refund. So what some people do is, you know, even if you're just giving you know, $25, $50 away a year, you can kind of wait to claim that until it's over 200 and you'll get more money back. Tyler, you just gave me the perfect segue. I got the Greater Vancouver Food Bank coming up next on the program where you can buy their cookbook that is just being released. Thank you for that beautiful unintended segue and for your time today. You're really helpful. Awesome. Thanks, Jody, for having me on. Thanks for listening to the Mike Smith Show podcast. Can't wait for the latest episode to drop? Tune into the show live from 9 to noon on 980 CKNW. Want to reach out to me personally with a question or comment? Send me an email, mike at cknw.com. Thanks again for listening.